0: Travis long time no see it's been a couple weeks schedules didn't match up last week I don't even remember where I was last week like where in the world is is Justin Stone during the minor league season but a couple days home in Chicago so we're able to get another podcast off What, what do you got in your mind today Travis
1: um so I think it's I think it's apropos that we talk about what a lot of these kids are going through right now and I think we start with that with um, when, how, and why we should make in-season adjustments. Um, so having kids in a, in, a, in a cage on a daily basis, this time of year, I also start to get some new kids that I haven't had. Um, and they're coming in typically because they're slumping, they're not hitting the way they want, they're not throwing or, or pitching the way they want. And they're coming in for the first time. And I think it's important you know, that we talk about the what's and whys of when do we make adjustments with these athletes? What type of adjustments do we we make? Are we making like physical adjustments? Are we making mental adjustments? Are we making approach adjustments? Um, And how we kind of work that out for a player and how a player can best understand um, what to take into the game with them and what to keep as part of their non-game time outside of practice or in practice kind of work and development in what we do. So I'm just curious as, as to your opinion here to start with as to what type of adjustments um, are you recommending or do you, have you found that are easier to do um, during in season? Let's say for someone who's to start with, for someone that's already been, let's say with a coach. So they're already familiar with the coach and, and some of the verbiage that they're going with like what kind of adjustments from a physical standpoint would you be making in season?
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good one. I've had this conversation with, with multiple um, pro players this, this season too. And the first thing I, I go back to is why are we here? Um, now it's no fault of any coach necessarily to, to, to put a player in a position where they're not having success. It's certainly probably not done maliciously, but it goes back to originally, how do we prepare? Are we preparing for the game? Or are we preparing for a lesson? And I think a, a lot of times in that lesson scenario, kids aren't challenged enough with game-like speed and you get a false sense of security of something that feels really good. Then they get to the game and they're like, oh shit, this isn't working. I've got to go back to the drawing board. And that—that that is the worst feeling for from the player's perspective. It's like, I've put in all this time. I feel really good about what I'm doing. And then you get to a panic position like, oh man, I felt really good about this work and it's not benefiting me. What am I going to do? Because the hardest thing to do, and this will get into answering your question, is make mechanical adjustments in season. So my philosophy on this, like you're not going to be able to do a complete pattern change. It's just not going to happen. You're going to confuse the body. They're going to be thinking mechanics in the box. So my philosophy on in-game mid-season adjustments or early-season adjustments is not a long-term solution. It's a short-term one. It's the band-aid fix. What is the least amount I can give this athlete to put them in a better position to have success? And I may know in the back of my mind that this isn't getting to the root cause of probably a pattern sequencing error, but what can I do in the short term that's going to allow them to square up more balls and most importantly, stay somewhat thought free when they're doing it? Because as we talk to all hitters, I always like to point out when hitters are going well, to have this point, I pull them to the side and we'd all agree, we've all been in that, that, that period of time where the ball looked big, hitting was easy, made the game look easy. And I say, what, what are you thinking when you're in the box right now? Man, it looked like you're really comfortable, the tempo's good, that you are seeing the ball well. But then they'll say like, nothing really, I'm just like reacting and hitting. I'm like, oh, interesting. So then why when we're failing, do we immediately think like 30 things in our mind? Our mind is spinning so fast, it just makes the problem worse. So when you're struggling in season, that's what's happening. The player already has fear, anxiety, doubt in their mind, which isn't good. And then they have, like, mechanical thoughts. My hand needs to be here. My stride needs to be like this. My body position needs to be that. And you're clouding the system that needs to be reactionary. It needs to be instantaneous reaction. And I'm not going to use the the cliche muscle memory because it's not that. It's brain stored memory. Um, But it has to be thought-free and reactive. And so when you start to put thoughts into it, it can, it can make things worse. So if you try to go through a pattern change, you're paralyzing the athlete and you're making them less athletic in the batter's box. So what is one, maybe small cue, small adjustment that I can make that to put them in a perfect position, just putting them in a better position to have success. So that's what I go. I, so I call that the duct tape fix and I'll tell the parent, like, this is a temporary solution to a problem we need to address in the off season. But here is the quickest way that we can get there. And most importantly for me as the coach, keep them as thought-free and as athletic as possible.
1: So is there, is there times, again, if we're talking about an athlete you've been with before, um, in a cage, in a, in a practice scenario, and let's say you've been working on being able to have better connections. So there's some sort of disconnect early, let's just say, in the arms or in the scap we've got some sort of early disconnect and you've been working through that and they had tightened up their turn a little bit. Like, is there just like a simple, Hey man, we got a little looseness in there. Let's go back to some, you know, check swing or some, you know, inside pitch work where I'm going to, I'm going to hammer you in. and I want you just to fight to stay in your turn where you're, you're, you're hitting them with something at least familiar um, to kind of tighten something up without them having to overthink like there's, there's eight things wrong. Cause again, I agree. Like, I think as soon as people struggle, panic mode sets in and they think that things need to change because they're not hitting well. And, you know, sometimes obviously it is just confidence. Sometimes it is, you just face tough pitching that week. And it's just, it was just a tough week, man. Like that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, But then leading them down a path of saying, Hey, listen, let's get back to something you're comfortable with already. Something that we've already kind of worked through in a setting that was prior to now. And, you know, like in my mind, you know, again, that goes back to like, I I've been talking to kids a lot about, knowing where their home is. And I use that as reference of like, Hey man, like if everything's going crappy in the world, where do you go? You go back home, you go back to where it's safe. You go back to where you're comfortable. And I I've been telling my players, like, you know, you need to have certain thoughts, certain movements, whether we want to call them drills or whatever, we have to have certain things that are, that are our home that, Hey man, when, when your swing feels like it's breaking down, where is home? Hey man, home is like that one day when I was like crushing and it just felt this and I felt that. Well, great. That's your home. Anytime something's not feeling right, go back to home. Or if there's a certain movement or drill that makes an athlete feel good about their swing, it's like when you're feeling something that's not right, find home. So, I mean, do you feel like there's a benefit in, in being able to bring kids back to that and kind of having them learn their own, let's say like home of like, Hey man, how do you find home? Like where's home, dude?
0: Certainly. Yeah, I think I get on this soapbox every single year in the spring or the summer. And I say we do all this work in the offseason of building a pattern. And then we get to games. They're like, all right, man, I'm excited. I'm going to play a game. I'm ready to compete. And the difference between pro and amateur ball is pro ball. You practice every day before you play in amateur ball. You show up 30 minutes before the game and you play and they might get one practice day a weekend. Very few, if any, and I'm I'm talking like 99% or greater of the population does not inherently have perfect swing mechanics or even good swing mechanics, we'll say. The body will swing or throw the way it's been prepared to swing or throw based on previous athletic experience, strengthening, and biases too. So injuries, compensations like that. So the drill work we do is usually there to mask a flaw that's always going to be present the drill work keeps it masked for a short amount of time. There's some guys that no matter what you do with them, their natural swing path is like they're way uphill, right? So we're always doing like, oh, we got to get on top of the ball. We got to get uh, high in the zone work to try to meet them in the middle. That's usually what drill work is. And it's an exaggeration of a flaw over exaggerate it to try to meet in the middle of what your body naturally wants to do. So once you get away from that drill work, once you get away from home, then your natural swing pattern is going to resurface. It's going to happen. I, I tell some guys, and you've said it too, Travis, at like 16 years of age, you're like, we're, we're doing the same drill package. I'm like, you're going to do this same drill package till you're, you're done playing. You're going to do the same drill package of some sort, like the same idea till you're 28. Because your natural swing is doing this, and these drills will compensate for it, keep it masked, and keep you in the middle. So that's what home is for me. What what drills, what lead up work progressions do I need to do that even if it's dry prior to a travel ball tournament game, that is still beneficial. The body doesn't know necessarily that it's hitting an object. It does help because again, the, the contact point part of hitting a ball is really, really important. And a lot of that information is stored in the brain based off previous experience. But there's the other side of the body pattern. And if we can keep the body pattern in that safe place at home, then those simple drills and cues uh, need to be repeated over and over again, or or the natural swing pattern of the player is going to resurface and and likely a slump is to
1: follow. So agreeing that, you know, we're not making obviously, or even (laughs) believing we could make pattern changes in season while an athlete has to go compete in games. That's obviously exceedingly hard to do. What about from the mental standpoint? So you're getting an athlete in, you already know in your mind that changing a pattern is not going to happen in the time, in the timeframe that they needed to happen in and have them feel any sort of comfort in the game with it. How do we then mentally approach that? Because the athlete's still going to need to feel confidence. And sometimes that confidence comes simply because they think they've changed a flaw. And that's, that's a hard thing to overcome because even though we know like, hey, you're not going to change this flaw, how can we mentally continue to move them along knowing that we're not going to be able to make a big physical change? Because I'll get kids that come in and like they'll come in for a week and we'll go through what we need to go through and they'll go out the next week and they'll be like, man, like I crushed it this week. Like that changed helped a lot. And in my mind, I'm going, okay. Yeah. Knowing that the, if you show me the game swings of, of the week where you feel like you're struggling and the week where you just felt like you were hitting good, odds are those swings and the swing flaws and the swing characteristics are going to look very similar. Um, so, like, how do we mentally then keep them moving along to make them feel like they're physically getting better?
0: Well, I, I think a lot of that um, is natural with the, the experience you just talked about. With players you have a relationship with, which you're talking about in your lessons right here, they trust in you. And I hate to say this, but sometimes you can become a security blanket for a player. And that's honestly, it's not a good thing in my mind because we're not going to be there with the player all the time. But young players really respect guys like you, Travis, that care about them. They know you're in their corner you're trying to help them and just that feeling of man I got in a cage today and banged it pretty well and I made this one adjustment that one adjustment in their mind is like the golden ticket and it, it gives them a sense of confidence and I've done this with college players before I remember being a college coach I'm just tricking guys into thinking they're better And in my back of my mind it's like god I hope I hope they have success today because I'm trying to just clear their mind and get them back to a confident place and although our drill work didn't change a whole lot, like I'm making him feel good about his drill work, and I'm hoping he takes that into the game. And then you're on pins and needles. He's like, God, I, I hope this guy gets two hits today. Because sometimes it's just that monkey off your back. Like, oh, man, man I'm not a shitty hitter. I'm actually pretty good. Because baseball players, man, we go – it's what makes the good ones really good is they, they stay in the middle, but we have a tendency to go off the rails in either direction. When we're going good. The game's really, really easy. We're like – we wear our emotions off the field because when we're, we're feeling really confident about ourselves, and when it's going bad, like you swear that you've never hit a baseball before and the good guys. Did, and I wasn't one of those. I was, I was that guy. I was on polar op- opposite ends of the spectrum where I'd go two for 19 and then 22 for 30. Um, that's not sustainable, but your players that they get in the cage with you to answer your question, Travis, like giving them just the, the feel of confidence and parents are the same way. It's like, oh man, gotta gotta go, gotta take my kid in for a lesson. He's struggling right now. And then they leave the lesson. It's like, oh man, he looks so much better. And you're like, yeah, yeah. You're gonna say the same thing you're excited. Like, yeah, you're gonna go out and crush it. But in the back of your mind, it's like you just spent 30 minutes more being a, a psychologist than you were a hitting coach.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big part of obviously what we do, especially especially in season. Yes, out of season as well. It's not like the it's not like the mental part of it ever goes out of it but I think the in-season like mentality and you know reassuring them like you know like I the amount of times that I'll sit with kids to be great like think about all the time that you spent you prepared to be at this point like you deserve it like don't feel like don't feel like you're you're not doing well or that you know this struggle thing is going to last like you know you put in the effort you deserve to be good let yourself be good And, you know, I had this conversation back when I was, you know, probably still in college. And I think I told somebody at one point, I said, I'm not afraid of failing. I said, I'm afraid, I'm like, I'm afraid of the failure of success. Like once you do something really well, people expect it all the time. So it becomes almost this like, this prophecy of like, man, if I go out and I smash, or I just go out and I deal, if I'm on the mound and I deal two, three games in a row, then if I have a bad game or if I have a mediocre game, then people are expecting this crazy thing. And I look back to like this, you know, I'm obviously being a Packers fan, um, looking back to the Aaron Rodgers thing of, you know, when he had that, you know, slightly down year and everybody's like, oh, where'd Aaron Rodgers go? And his, his comment was my worst year is everybody else's best year. But you guys have this, you have this in your mind now, you have this picture of what I'm supposed to be and even though I'm still better than the majority of the people out there, this year wasn't as good as my other year, so now all of a sudden that was a bad year for me. You know, and I think that happens for players, and that's where that pressure comes in of being in a game. And I think where that mentality comes in sometimes, I ask kids, like, well, you know, why do you feel like you're, you're struggling right now? I'm like, what, what do you feel like is going on? Do you, think it's, do you feel like you're not seeing the ball well? Do you feel like there's just too much pressure? Do you feel like there's – and the most consistent answer I get is pressure. And it's either pressure because they want to do well for their teammates. Like they feel like they've got a responsibility within their team to do a certain thing. You know, if they've been the three hole hitter and they've been getting a lot of those hits and all of a sudden they're not getting them, they start to go into that like pressure panic mode of like, these guys expect me to get hits here. And sometimes obviously it's pressure from, they feel pressure from their parents, not like their parents are like on them, but they feel like they want to make their parents proud. It's not the, my parents yell at me every time I do bad thing as much as they just, they want to make their parents proud of them because that's what every kid wants, man. Like every kid wants their parents to look at them and be like, man, like you make me proud. You know what I mean? So I think like that pressure part of it too becomes, becomes really big when it comes to mentality and trying to take some of that pressure back off of them, you know, and having talks about, you know, how can we alleviate some of that pressure? Like how do we make this a little bit more, like the cage and again we can't make it like the cage but I always tell kids I've said hey in a cage if you miss hit a ball what happens I throw you another ball you miss hit that one what happens I throw you another ball like so the pressure is less because you know you're going to get another crack at it you know and in a game there's no there's no there's no another crack at it like when that at bats over that at bats over so you know how do we start to communicate with these kids to understand that you know pressure is pressure is for the most part somebody being unprepared and so if you've prepared if you've worked hard in your off season if you've done the things you're supposed to do you should feel prepared you should feel less pressure unless it's an outside source like teammates fans at the game like other kids parents you know fans of the game or whether it is your own parents so from that part i think you know it's really important that you know we as coaches and parents that are tuning into this as well, understand where that stuff comes from. And sometimes it's not intentionally put on a kid, but it gets put on a kid and it's in their mind. And a lot of kids don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about feeling like they're, they're weak. Let's just, let's put it that way. You know, where they feel like I don't want to talk, like I mentally am struggling here because it makes me feel or look weak. I'd rather just kind of swallow that and say, yeah, I just, my timing's off. Because anytime you say your timing's off, coach, like, oh yeah, that's that's probably what's wrong. It's the timing. It's just the timing. Um, so from a mentality standpoint now, let's get into...
0: I, I want to hit on that last point because that, that's a very real, real thing. Um, and you talked about pressure a lot and I use the word anxiety. A- anxiety is real and every kid feels it. And oftentimes as parents, we protect our kids and we don't want to talk about hard things. And I... I swear, Travis, I'm going to read this text to you here in just a second. But uh, it used to be other like front office people from other organizations would call me and, and want to talk about, I don't know, hitting tech, like new stuff that maybe we're doing now. People from other organizations, front offices call me and want help with their kids. And it's, it's crazy. So I had somebody like front office worker from a high position in another organization call me yesterday and they said, Stony. My kid in the cage just crushes and he gets out into a game and it's like, he's scared. He won't swing. He's like, he's a smaller kid. The zone's bigger at amateur level and he gets from frustrated. He's not swinging. And he, I think he thought maybe I was going to say something of drill work and we talked about anxiety. And I said, my suggestion to you is sit your son down and talk to them about the fear of striking out. And if you haven't ever talked about that before, get it out into the open. It's not like a, a dark, bastardly thing that we, we can't talk about. It's like taboo. Like, talk about it. Like What, what is the fear of striking out? What, 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 what is bad that's going to happen in your life by striking out? Do we want to strike out? No. Does it make it ups, us upset because we want to do better? Sure. But getting it out in the open is going to reveal what anxieties your child has. And I said, your goal should be in every at-bat, I'm going to get two of my best swings off. I'm going to get two of my A swings off in every at-bat. Does that mean you're probably going to chase a pitch or two? Sure. But we're going to go down aggressively swinging if I have that paralyzed paralyzed feeling of anxiety that I'm not swinging the bat. We're going to have two swings in each at-bat. And I know, son, that you may strike out a couple times. But I know in the back of my mind as a parent, my son's bat to ball skills are pretty good. And if he gets two of his best swings off, he's probably going to do, do something helpful. So as you were talking just a second ago on that same subject, I got a text from the same person. It says, Justin, I can't thank you enough for your advice yesterday. He came out swinging, put all four balls in play last night. We all feel up so good about the, the contact and it, it was something so simple. That, those are the type of conversations that parents need to have with your kids. The things that stress them please talk about them because that's going to take you further than baseball and also in life because there is some deep seated anxiety with every child being in front of spectators. It's, you know, we talk about stage fright. The first time your kid goes up on stage and does a play or has to sing in front of a crowd. Oftentimes they're terrified. And you got to talk about like nervousness is normal. The butterflies that you have means you are ready. It means you are prepared, but you have to talk about those things because when a player gets in the batter's box and it's mano-a-mano, that same anxiety comes forward the same as stage fright. They have peers. They have people that are watching them play. There are people cheering one way or the other. And that can be just a a very rattling thing for a child, right? We're trying to prepare them to have fun in competition, but that fun can sometimes be dampened by the anxiety and and pressure, is your word, that they feel. And I think we just got to get those things out of the open and talk about them. And when you do service them and talk about them, they, they get better quicker. And we're not even talking about mechanics here, right? We're not talking about timing. We're talking about just freeing a player up to be athletic and be themselves.
1: Yeah, I think that's really, really well put. Like I, you know, I honestly, like, you know, thinking about, I was, I was like I would say, I'm, I'm the biggest plagiarist ever. Like I, when I hear things and I'm like, man, that really makes sense or resonates with me. Like I'll I'll take him back. Like, hey, Justin, like I'm going to use that. Like I, I like the thought of anxiety there more than pressure. And I like the way that you, you worded that out. I think that hopefully resonates with a lot of the people that are listening too, because I think it's so important, you know, the way you bring that up about, you know, us not having some of those difficult conversations or we make things feel like they're really taboo. And I'm saying like, you know, the, the fear of if you strike out, that is the only way you're going to fail at the plate. And you know, that, that paralyzes a lot of athletes into not moving or into making you know poor decisions or making late decisions because they're panicked into what they're feeling so i think that's a very 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 good point that hopefully everybody can understand and and can feel comfortable having that conversation with their kid um because it comes first from the parent it goes back to the 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 sense of you know wanting to make your parents proud um is that feeling is the feeling of being able to have those conversations come from a parent, not necessarily always from a coach, because yes, you're trying to make your coach happy, but really at the end of the day, like, and and I can't speak for everybody. I can tell you right now, like, you know, when I played and my parents were there, like I wanted them, I wanted them to be like, that's my kid. I want, you know, like it was always that. So that conversation coming from them, you know, where they take a little bit of that anxiety away from me by having that conversation with me and letting me you know, and helping me understand that, you know, it's going to be okay, no matter what happens out of this. Um, I think it becomes really important. And then if, you know, obviously a coach being able to reinforce that obviously really helps the athlete understand understand he's got support from both times, like you've got my support either way. Like you're going to have some great days. and I'm going to be here to be like, and when you don't do well, I'm here to be like, Hey man, we got this let's, let's let's keep grinding like you're on you're on the right track let's let's keep moving so I think that's really good stuff there what do you have then from kind of now we've talked about kind of like what are we physically doing with kids or what what do we suggest physically during the season we've got a little bit of like mentality like you know how are we trying to get these kids to feel confident or feel less anxiety what do you have from an approach standpoint so you know, it might be anything from, you know, we're getting a bunch of rollovers. Well, mechanically, again, are we going to be able to fix a ton of this? No. Is it maybe somewhat approach? Is it, hey, we're, we're hitting a lot of balls the other way, and it might be some sort of timing issue, might be some time to impact, might be some other things, but maybe it is just that the kid's in his mind thinking, I got to let these balls travel because my coaches keep saying, let the ball get deep, and by the time that I get my swing off, I just can't turn my barrel. So how do we then change some of this, this stuff in game stuff by just simply changing approach or like when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive, you know, whether it is a little bit of directionality and hitting, like, what do you have on like approach for middle, mid season changes?
0: I'm going to keep this as simple as possible, jokingly, but not jokingly simple, Travis, whatever you're doing that that you don't like do the opposite. Whatever you're doing that you don't like, do the opposite. If I'm rolling balls over, I'm going to focus in my work. I'm going to take inside pitches up the middle to the opposite field gap. My approach in the game is going to be in the air to the opposite field gap. If I'm late, and this happens to my daughter a lot, like she'll be late on fastballs. And then I, and external cues are always going to be better than, than internal cues in this situation. So I just tell her, pull the ball. And instead of saying, hey, catch the ball out in front or start your timing mechanism quicker, the external cue of pulling the ball fixes all that. For, so when we're dealing with amateurs, especially the younger they are, we want to keep that as simple as possible. And it's kind of like tricking their bodies into, into doing it right. So without I, I try to stay in, in season away from technical aspects as much as I can. And I just said jokingly, but not jokingly, do the opposite of what you're currently doing. Um, because even to a child, like, like that that same mentality of, oh, it's, it's that easy to fix? Well, shoot, why didn't you tell me this before? So I always take that approach in season before I, I get to anything complex. Because, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, um, the more complex we make things, the more we paralyze the system. That's the opposite of what we're trying to do. Is that too simple of an answer for you?
1: No, honestly, like I, I – could, could I, I just
0: I, say, don't do me? that? <laughs> How's that for good coaching?
1: Can I do this? Um <laughs> No, honestly, like I, I had assumed asking that question initially, I assumed that was the answer I was going to get. Cause that's typically, I think a pretty standard of, Hey, like make the opposite. Cause the opposite gets you somewhere in the middle typically kind of answer, right? Like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling everything over to the third base short side, shortstop side, force yourself to go do the opposite of that. You're probably not going to do the exact opposite, but you're probably gonna end up somewhere in the middle, giving you a better chance in that situation. Um, as it goes to this, let's say you've got, you know, guys, and this could be from a, you know, any level kind of standpoint. Um, Obviously from the pro side, you're going to have more in-game data to know exactly what's happening from a pitch perspective, like pitch location, uh, pitch speed, that kind of stuff. Um, And from the amateur side, it's more like, Hey, you know, we see kind of where you're getting pitched because they don't have just the in-game data the, the way the pro would, but you're getting, you're getting people coming in to, Uh, a position where you're saying, Hey man, you know, I've been struggling a little bit. Okay. Why do you feel like you're struggling? I just, I've been, you know, not hitting balls the way I want to hit them. And then, you know, you delve in deeper and it's like, Hey, are there certain pitch types or certain types of pitchers or certain pitch locations that are making it more difficult for you to feel like you can get your a swing off or do what you want to do. And the majority of the answer to that one is outside it's it's outside pitches Either I'm not swinging at them because they look like they're too far away, but the umpire is calling me out or there's pitches that I'm swinging at off the plate because I don't want to get rung up. So I'm swinging at balls that I probably shouldn't be swinging at, or it's I'm not being able to make good contact with that pitch more than likely because it is the farthest pitch away from us and requires the most essentially athleticism because we have to be able to hold more of a tilt over the plate and have more proximity to the ball to do some sort of, damage rather than just putting the ball in play. So from an approach standpoint, you know, how do you navigate being able to get a kid to be able to handle a change in approach and a little bit of mental approach in those situations when the issue is more of like an outside pitch?
0: Yeah. The first thing that I do on that is setting their sights in the middle because when the player has a mindset of, I'm being exposed away, or somebody's put, usually a coach or a parent said, you know, you got to watch that outside pitch. We're struggling with that pitch. It puts it in the kid's mind, and then it becomes the forefront of their, their first thought, right? Oh, pitch away. I got to protect against the pitch away. So they start looking the outer third. And when you start looking the outer third, you're going to extend two or three balls in width from your sights. So if I'm already setting my sights out at third and I push two or three more balls out there, now I'm chasing. So I want to actually confine the zone as much as I can. When players are expanding the zone, I want them to confine it. So I said, we're looking in a circle this big in the middle of the plate today. This is your zone. And knowing that we're going to expand two or three balls off of that, now we're covering the plate. So I think what ends up happening is when a player perceives that they're struggling with a pitch is they set their sights to that pitch and end up doing themselves more injustice than actually helping them. Um, and I agree, the outside pitch is tougher for youth athletes for all the reasons that you said. You gotta you have, a, have to have a little bit more mechanically sound swing to cover either corner, really. The inside pitch has, can be problematic as well for, for different reasons. Um, but kind of hitting on, on your point of that, again, in-season adjustment, the ones that worry me more than a certain pitch type or location, which we would define as approach, are the ones that their parent or coach has put in their mind that there's some mechanical flaw and surprising to the listeners probably here of, you know, how sometimes I'm portrayed in the baseball community on social media as a mechanics guy. Like, I don't want to talk mechanics in the season. Like at all. If I, if I'm having to talk mechanics in the season, you're in a bad spot. Um, so what I want to do when that player comes in and it, that, that's the one that really worries me most. Like, well, I'm struggling. So, why you struggle? Oh, my hands are dropping, or I'm stepping in the bucket. And I'm like, oh, no, somebody's put this in your mind. And now you're thinking mechanics. And I, I got to do this next half hour to not get you to think about mechanics. Like, that is my goal now for this session. Um, so, those are the ones that really worry me the most because everybody does this. Like, as soon as they find failure, they immediately think it's something wrong in their swing. And you and I know, Travis, more times than not, that's just not the case. It's probably the same swing, but we can help that through. Uh, either getting their mind off of mechanics or just become more detailed in a simpler approach. So an approach is just that that's your hitting plan. And I think even then when guys are struggling, they end up adding more chapters to their, their hitting plan. Like instead of chapters in your hitting plan, this needs to be your hitting plan. Not this, this, this is your hitting plan. This is a bad hitting plan. That's too much shit going on in your head. So what I'm doing when a guy is struggling is I'm, I need even doing this. That's your hitting plan. And I think that's a good way to, to, to frame that. I'm just full of analogies today, Travis. Yeah,
1: I, I love the, I love the prop works too, man. <laughs> I, I hope people get to see some of the visual of, of the prop work that you're doing here. Uh, it's, it's very impressive. Um, I know that for me, like one thing that I've been having conversations with, with youth athletes, um, in season because a lot of them, I, 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 you know, most kids when they're coming in and, and, you know, the kids that are coming in, I would say probably it's probably half and half, like half of them come in, like, man, I've just been, I've been crushing the ball all season. Like, I just want to stay, I want to stay fresh. So I'm I'm coming in just to make sure that, you know, almost more like a, a continued confidence session. And the other half are, man, it's just, I'm not getting done exactly when I get done. Like I'm not bombing, but I'm, I'm not doing exactly as well as I'd like. And, you know, a lot of times what that comes down to is the first thing out of, their, out of their mouth ends up becoming the umpire called this pitch on me, the umpire called that pitch on me. You know, I, I didn't get this call. You know, I, it shouldn't have been a strike, yada, yada, yada. And I had this conversation with a young man <coughs> that i have been working with for a while. And I think it's a, a pretty good conversation to even have. And for parents and for kids, so parents, this is another conversation to have with your kids. If your kids aren't listening to to this podcast, and you are, or even as coaches out there, I hope the
0: kids aren't listening to podcasts because I have a potty mouth on the podcast. <laughs>
1: well, I mean,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I, I and, pretty much have a potty mouth in regular life. I just, yeah. I, I just don't do it around kids. <laughs>
1: um, conversation, the conversation that conversation I had with the kid, and this kid, this kid is a 13 year old kid, and probably has some of the best zone recognition that I've seen ever. Like I'm talking any level athlete I've ever worked with. Like this kid knows his awareness of of the plate better than almost anybody else that I've ever been around. It's it's fun to watch, to see somebody that advanced at that age do what he does. But his awareness of that sometimes gets him beat because – like if, if he ever comes in and says, yeah, that was, they rang me up in a bad pitch. He is probably one of the only people that I completely go, you're probably right. Yeah. Most of the kids it's like, yeah, you know, sometimes umpires don't make good calls, but in the back of my mind, I'm going, it was probably on the plate. You're just in a bad position to hit it. Or so it seems like it's far away or it seems like it wasn't something you could hit, or you weren't ready in that moment to attack. And by the time you made the decision to attack, you couldn't pull it off. But what I told this kid, I said, I said, your asset right now, which is, understanding your zone is actually your deficit right now and he kind of looked at me and i said you know you have to understand this like you can't take advantage of knowing your zone until the umpires are good enough for your zone awareness to matter that's totally true because umpires at your age are going to call balls high they're going to call them an inch two sometimes three inches off the plate and they have to well, and so that's what I told him. I told him, I said, your asset, you have to understand this is long-term versus short-term. Like this asset is going gonna, is gonna to get you really far in this game at some point. But right now at your age, it's going to hurt you because you know what a strike and what a ball is like within a, within a millimeter. I'm like, hey, where's that pitch? He make a fist. I'm like, that's literally exactly where that ball crossed. And I told him, I said, it's kind of your deficit because you're going to think that a lot of balls aren't on the plate and you're going to be right. And you're not going to swing at them and you're going to get rung up. And then you're going to get frustrated. And then, you know, coaches might get frustrated. Like, why are you taking strike three? And in his mind, he's like, it's off the plate. And the coach has heard this his entire life too. The coach is like, well, obviously it's not off the plate. The umpire's calling it. You know what I mean? So, you know, with him, you know, then we had a conversation. I said, listen, man, like, where are you getting pitched? He's like, almost always away. I said, okay. So in your mindset, I'm like, listen, man, like, How do you make the outside of the plate feel like the middle of the plate? Meaning that he, in this, every kid gets different adjustments, right? Like I know what this kid's capable of, and you're not gonna, like, if you go in on him, you're not gonna get it in on him, anyways. If he's looking away, he's still gonna get in. Now he might pull it foul. majority
0: of amateur pitchers are thrown away anyway because they're they're scared of hitting. Right.
1: So so in my mindset, like for him, it was like taking what you would call your circle. And I was taking that circle from the middle of the plate and pushing it to the outside of the plate and saying, listen, the majority of balls are going to be out there anyways. And if a guy misses middle, like you're going to handle it. It's not like if you're targeting outside, you can't manage the middle. And realistically, the ball is not going to end up inside unless a guy makes a mistake. And even at that point, this kid in his situation is good enough to at least barrel it foul or catch enough of it to hit it foul and not be beat for a strike three on that pitch. So part of it for him was that of like, hey, because now when we would start to hit, even though he still knew his zone really well, like he was barreling balls, probably three, three and a half inches off the plate, like barreling easily, like it looked like a middle pitch because he was already looking out there. Now, obviously, as he gets older, the game changes. Guys have better secondary pitches. They can locate better. You are going to get some guys that will come inside a little bit more, not consistently, but a little bit more. So, you know, his approach will alter as he gets older and the game changes and he needs to change it. But in that mindset and that approach, I was like, man, like you're going to get pitched away, like learn how to attack away, start to start to almost anticipate away. Like you've already visualized this ball headed towards the outer third to slightly off the plate and be ready to attack it, knowing that you now have the confidence that you can hit balls that are two inches, three inches off the plate and catch them good, not not with what i would call like a c swing or a d swing like d swing is like save me c swing is like serve it like he's the lefty well He's a switch hitter but there's obviously majority lefty because most pitchers are ready like c swing is like serve it into serve it into left field b swing is like cut down some of the power and and, and deal into contact so that's like your hard single double and then your a swing in my mind is like double and above like i'm trying to drive something at a at a decent flight to cause a little bit of damage in this situation so in my mind like approach for him was to push out the zone a little bit again we're not chasing everything but also i know his quality as a hitter to be able to change that approach like i know that he can go out there and hit those balls because of the physicality he possesses as well now with other athletes am i going to do the same thing no you know, other athletes might be like, hey, you're not getting pitched inside. Here's your new approach. Just stand closer to the plate. Like, take your normal swing. Move a little bit closer to the plate. You're not getting pitched inside anyways. As long as you're not, you know, as long as you don't get anxiety or or nervousness being closer to the plate, because obviously we know some kids have that too. Move closer to the plate so everything's – Yeah, that, that, that
0: would have been my suggestion. Get up on the plate so you can yeah. keep your sights. What feels like middle is now away, right. knowing that guys are probably going to come in even less than push the ball out a little bit more. Um, so,
1: One last thing, unless you've got something to kind of filter into that. What is, and I honestly, I feel like this is, you know, partly the most important part of even the conversation we've had as a whole today of like, what is our in, in season adjustment ideas? What advice do you have for parents? To not, or even coaches, I guess, to not put that anxiety pressure button on for the athlete. Like if, if a kid hasn't been going in to get one-on-one work with a coach or to do stuff like that, sometimes you saying, hey, we need to go see somebody is more of a pressure or anxiety builder for that kid. Like, oh man, something really is wrong. My parents trying to get me in to see somebody for help. Or, or even just the verbiage we use as a parent or as a coach. Now, obviously you being, being having those situations with having your girls playing, playing ball as well. Like, what's your advice to coaches, parents, as to how we navigate not putting that additional pressure on our kid that might be struggling at this moment?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good one because I'm, I'm living through that right now. Um, be careful of your words and the timing of those words the first thing I'll say, and I'm probably, you, know, you talked about the support that you had from your parents. I, I think most of the people that grew up in my situation would not have turned out the way I did. The <laughs> way my parents, I definitely came from like old school parents that I never got praise, but I was often told how bad I was. And that was a motivator for me to practice more. And it turned out fine. Like, you know, it's, this is the, just the way my parents found a way to push my button. So being that my parents like their actual lives revolved around my sports and I don't parent that way. And in fact, my wife has been trying to push me to be probably more vocal with my, my oldest daughter because I kind of sit back and really don't say anything. I just let her play. And when she comes to me and asks for something, obviously I help her, but I don't give her lessons. I have her hit with somebody else. Um, so I, I've kind of gone the, the, the complete opposite of the way that I was parented. Um, but I will say that like your words are extremely impactful and the timing of those words may seem inconsequential to you, but are everything in the eyes of the child that loves you and wants your support. So, um, like trying to, uh, my, my advice is diffusing the situation as much as possible. If you're taking somebody in for help, I'm pumping up the situation. Like I'm going to take, I, Hey, I got from a friend of mine. It's been taking his kid in to hit with this awesome guy that, you know, he, he works with big leaguers. Um, seems like he's a really good dude and really excited about helping players be, become better. I'm going to take you in. Like I'm going to pump up the situation. So the kid is excited about it. Like we want our kids to feel good about playing sports. Um, and the criticism that we have on them, like they wear because usually the person that they're playing for oftentimes isn't just themselves. It's um, what, whether they're doing it, consciously or whether you know we have no intentions parents of of putting them in this situation but they're they're often doing it to please please you they're they're doing it to please a parent um and that's a a really powerful thing so just be very cognizant of that because anything you say that you may find inconsequential is going to be multiplied in their minds times 10
1: i like it man i like it I think, it's, I think it's really good that, you know, we had this conversation today knowing that these kids are in the middle, for most of them, like right smack in the middle of their seasons. Um,
0: yeah, that's a good idea for the show, Travis. Nice job. Yeah,
1: you got high school kids jumping out of high school ball, heading into their summer ball. You've got youth, the youth uh, under that that are, you know, probably about halfway through, maybe a little bit past halfway through, but probably about halfway through their season. And some have been having some success. Some have been feeling like they've been struggling. Some feel like they're just kind of, Okay. But I think, you know, as the season keeps lingering on, you know, people are going to have those, those peaks and valleys, right? Like you're going to have some highs, you're going to have some lows, knowing when to adjust and how to adjust to those, whether it be physically, mentally, or approach wise, I think becomes a real big asset to those players. So awesome, man.
0: Yeah. That was a good one today. It's a good one today. Don't be that guy.
1: What is it? You got one?
0: <laughs> Don't be a mean parent.
1: <laughs> don't <give> a- this- <laughs> mean,
0: the game's hard enough the way it is
1: Ag- completely agreed it is it is an exceedingly hard game and i don't think people really understand because they just assume that they're supposed to be you know young kids just feel like they're supposed to be like pro athletes and i'm like like you're- yeah you're- the hell i see helicopter
0: 12. parents at the the league i play at my and i'm like oh my god you're, you're you're just killing your kid man
1: your kid's 12 yeah they can't even physically do what you're asking them to do yet for the most part like they can get close because like they've learned to maybe move a little bit but like like they can't they can't do what you're seeing on tv they can't do they can't do that yet you know
0: actually i'm gonna bring up that point because this i'm sure this happened to you when when your son was playing um it certainly happens to me a lot and parents are being nice and they want to have conversations and they they'll come up to me it's like oh man like I, I want to help my kid. What, what do you do with your daughter? Like, what, what do you do to, to work on? It's like, man, they, she has a great opportunity to have a pro hitting coach as a, as a dad. I'm sure like you guys are doing all, all kinds of stuff. What should I do with my kid? It's like, honestly, I put her in a good stance when she was five and I tell her to swing hard. That is the only instruction that I've ever given her yeah. swing hard. And when we're in the cage, I make her swing at everything because I value bat to ball skills more than I put trust in, in zone control because of the umpiring at this age having to expand the zone so learn what you can hit learn what eventually you, you're not going to be able to hit as well swing at everything and swing hard that, that's my instruction
1: yeah i don't think it's like anything else right you keep you keep swinging hard especially at a young age while you're developing you keep swinging hard and you get enough of those swings off you're going to navigate how to get to the ball like you'll, you'll start figuring out at that speed how do i get to the ball and you're going to take some lumps along the way as a as a younger athlete but you're going to navigate it and you're going to know how to move through that. So I think that's, you know, I think people ask people, I was asking me the same thing. You know, when my, my son first started baseball, they're like, oh, well, man, like he's so lucky to, to have like a dad that, that does baseball for a living. You're like, what do you do? What do you do with him? I'm like, when he first started, I said, dude, we, we go out to a field. I'm like, all right, how far about, can you hit a ball? And then I'm going to put us that far from the outfield fence. Your job is hit the ball over the fence. Like, I don't care how you get it over the fence. I don't care if you hit it a foot over the fence two feet over the fence, six feet over the fence, hit the ball with the fence. And as soon as you could hit it over the fence, it was like, all right, let's back up four more feet. Can you get it back over the fence again? Can you get it over the fence? So again, this wasn't like, oh, we're trying to hit home runs. It was, listen, like the fence is three and a half feet high. So at that at that at that position, at least you're hitting the ball over infield if you're hitting the ball right now. And that's a really good place to start. And it was like what started naturally happening, like he started having a natural leg kick. He started... You know, naturally being able to move his body to get in a line to hit a ball in a in a certain direction and like just characteristics you're gonna see of higher level athletes. Now like he couldn't do it anywhere near as physical and he couldn't repeat it the way that they could because he he's a kid. But you could start seeing those characteristics come. And you're like, man, if you can just get a couple more years of just building those characteristics as your body and your strength and your stability and everything starts catching up to you a little bit, you'd be in a pretty yeah. good spot.
0: Yep. So, in this 45-minute episode, we told parents how to navigate the youth baseball and softball. Parties. <laughs> it's way, and it's way more difficult than what, what we explain in 45 minutes. But cheers to all the, the parents out there that are spending their time dragging their kids to and from the ballpark. It's an awesome thing.
1: Absolutely. All
0: right, y'all. Till next time.